Hi everyone, I'm Barak. Hey, I'm Nandita. Uh, and so this is the cardiology knowledge video uh, for IMTs, and we're specifically going to be talking about how to manage AF. Um, this will likely be an inpatient scenario, so we're going to model this about how you manage an acute inpatient that's presented with AF. Um, and what we'll discuss here is, I think the key most important things you should have in your head when you're thinking about AF uh, are managing the actual electrical issue, so whether you opt for rate control or rhythm control. Uh, and a second thing which you absolutely cannot forget with AF um, is stroke risk. So understanding their stroke risk using the chads vas score and their bleeding risk and giving them anticoagulation respectively. So the two most important things with managing AF. And then the other thing to think that as soon as you're managing a patient with AF and rapid ventricular response is that you need to be thinking about does this patient looking at narrow complex tachycardia uh, ALS algorithm is does this patient fulfill criteria for urgent electrical cardioversion um, and if you can keep those things in your head as you're going through an AF scenario then you won't go too far wrong. Um, so first of all I'm just going to I think this is one that uh, they could provide an ECG for you. Um, so I think it's just very quickly, I'm going to go through an ECG of AF and why this ECG is AF. Uh, and then we'll talk a bit more about uh, the workup and the management. So this is, this is an ECG of AF. Uh, and the clues on this ECG, apart from the title, are the fact that um, the most important things are that this is an irregular, irregularly irregular uh, rhythm, i.e. the QRS complex, complexes are irregularly irregular. There is no pattern to where they're coming. And secondly, if you look along the, uh, in between the QRS complexes, there's no obvious P wave activity or no regular P wave activity. Uh, so this is no, P, no obvious P wave activity and irregularly irregular QRS complexes, which is therefore AF. And it's really important to try and uh, go through lots of ECGs with AF and convince yourself, manage to be happy with yourself that you can understand why understand why they're AF. Um, because it's probably one of the few ECGs that you could get given in your uh, interviews if they do give you an ECGs. And so it's good to be able to recognise it and also just good for your general clinical practice. Um, so we're going to talk now firstly about the history, the history, uh, the one way take a patient with AF. And there are just a few key things here, which Nandita's is going to talk about. Okay, so I think in the in the interview scenario, the clinical scenario, um, usually, I mean, you may be lucky and the patient may have, you know, no AF and someone will call you and he's already on a monitor and they'll say, oh, this patient's got AF for the rapid heart rate. So can you come see them? But the more likely scenario you'll get is that this patient looks unwell Um can you come assess them? Um, and then, so obviously you'd go to assess them. And then again, as always, all sort of acute things, you'd want to do an AT approach. Um, again, in tandem at the same time, what you want to be doing is making sure they're being hooked up to a cardiac monitor for continuous monitoring. Cause it may have just been that, you know, they're not on one yet. Um, so that will be very telling straight away. And at the same time, you want to be asking for a set of OBS in the first instance, um, because as Valerick said, a key part of this will be determining how acute the situation is and um, 
the OBS will be able to guide you for that. So I would approach, the, when you go up to the patient and the nursing team uh, or the team who's called you, ask for a set of OBS, um, including and ask specifically for heart rate and blood pressure, uh, which will be the key ones here, I think. Um, and then make sure they're being set up to a cardiac monitor at the same time for acute monitoring and continuous monitoring. Um, and then carry out your, start your AT assessment. Um, so again, A for airway, it'll be likely be patent in this scenario, and then B for breathing. Here you want to be able to see one of the key, um, if, if, if this patient is an AF, I guess, has it caused any compromise to the respiratory to the respiratory system? So are they struggling to breathe? What's their heart, um, what's the respiratory rate like? What are their SATs like? You know, are they working hard to breathe? Could they have gone into uh, respiratory failure as a cause of the AF, possibly causing pulmonary edema? So that's just something you want to think about quite early on in this acute assessment. Um, and then again, for circulations, this will be very important. So here you'll get the blood pressure, hopefully by now, um, and you'll be able to see if the patient is hemodynamically compromised in the sense that do they have a blood pressure, uh, which is, you know, maybe causing some hemodynamic instability. Um, and then you feel for the pulse, does it feel irregular? By this time, you should also have an ECG. And then if it's the ECG is, for example, what Valerie said, so it's irregular, it's P waves, um, suggestive of AF, and look at the ventricular rate, then you've kind of already got your diagnosis. And from there, I guess you go on to the management or kind of invest working this up a little bit further. Does that sound good so far? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the what I need to run to there is the narrow complex tachycardia ALS algorithm uh, in patients who have AF. The indications to urgently electrically cardiovert these patients are hemodynamic instability or decompensated heart failure. Uh, that's not responding to any other treatment. So hemodynamically instability, that's an, that's an indication to urgently shock, urgently shock them there. And then and if they've got decompensated heart failure, um, if they're an extremist, then you shock them. If they're not responding well to treatment and their heart failure is getting worse despite you controlling their rate, then again, it's an indication to uh, convert them back to sinus rhythm, which we'll talk about a bit, the actual process of which in terms of uh, how to safely do it uh, a little bit later on. Um, and then there's a few key things that you need to try and uh, assume the patient is able to give a history. Um, we want to try and get from the history. And this is really important to show that you have a good understanding of the drivers behind the AF, uh, possible drivers behind AF, uh, and also that you understand the, how important timing is to the various options you have available to you. Yeah, so I think so. I think important for the history um, you may be able to get this from the patient directly, depending on how unwell they are and kind of what their general state is like, but also from the nursing staff will be helpful. I mean, is this a patient who's known to have AF previously or is this new onset AF in a, in a general medical patient or in a cardiology patient that's not in for something different? So that will kind of triage a lot of your management from there. So I think we'll maybe talk a bit more about the kind of put the focus on someone with new onset AF with rapid ventricular rate in the first instance. Um, so from the history, you want to know when, did, when was this AF? first detected as in when did this start how, how do we know this patient's at AF is ECG the first one that's shown AF or did someone feel the pulse earlier and think it might be irregular um and ask the patient directly I guess have they had any palpitations in the past have they ever been told they have an irregular heart rate in the past um and if they say no then you want to then you can I mean you have to kind of really probe them and say have you ever felt you know an irregular heart rate or palpitations of any kind or ever been told you have an arrhythmia um because obviously they may not always think of it directly and then if the answer is no to that, then you can start thinking already in your head, so okay, this is a patient with new onset AF uh, with a rapid ventricular rate in someone who's not had AF before, um, what are the possible secondary causes of this? And what else do I need to know about this patient and with this patient's AF? 
So again, as Valerie said, so the timing is very important, and that as that will determine your kind of your management options um, in terms of anticoagulation and cardioversion, etc. And we'll touch upon that briefly later. Uh, but then you also want to know um, in terms of sort of a lot. Most AF is actually secondary to other things. Um, especially in the hospitalized patient, I think, and it can, it's one of the common medical things that comes up in on uh, you know surgical wards or uh, general medical wards. Um, so you want to make sure that find that you find out if they've had any evidence of recent infection or sepsis, which can often be a very common driver of AF. So just you know ask for temperature, uh, ask see if the patient's being treated for any antibiotic with any antibiotics. Um, post-operative AF is a commonly recognized phenomenon. So I mean. Um, kind of any period of physiological stress essentially but you want to know what the patient's actually been admitted for have they recently come in for hip surgery or neurosurgery um, or you know are they in for uh, another medical problem um, and could that be causing this in any way uh, and then you want to start thinking about what do they have a history of thyroid dysfunction for example so deranged thyroid function or abnormal thyroid function AAF can often be one of the presenting um, symptoms of that actually and this could be sort of transient thyroid dysfunction in the context of systemic illness or it could be sort of long-standing thyroid disease which is possibly not well controlled um so those are a couple of things to think about there um other things i guess to think about also are any uh medications they may be taking which might be sort of prorhythmic um and then also uh, any electrolyte abnormalities more commonly as well so looking at potassium and magnesium as well um which may have triggered this uh, and then finally, um, asking the patient about alcohol intake is often quite good as a kind of a toxin cause to remember, uh, as we know that there's an association with alcohol and AF. Perfect. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, and, 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 and recreational drugs and caffeine. Yeah. Uh, is, is, is a fine level. But yeah, that's absolutely. And again, as, as you know, in an interview, you won't be able to say a comprehensive list, but at least this will give you a background to all of the different things that can cause it. You can say very briefly. I'd like to try and get an understanding history. If there's any obvious drivers, are they septic? Have they had any recent um, operations? Have they, had, have they got any recent blood supply? Have some leptolyte abnormalities? Have a, I want to be understanding if they have any recent TFTs or any other signs of thyrotoxicosis and whether they're prone to taking lots of caffeine, alcohol, recreational drugs. That's it. Next. Um, and that's and that's what I do. But that's incredibly thorough. And that's really all you need. To, the main things you need to know about the drivers of AF. Um. And then the most, the next most important part of the history, and this is one that will really separate the uh, the wheat from the chaff, and that is talking about the the indications for anticoagulation, and even better is to then talk about bleeding risk as well. Um, so to do that, you you'd say I I think it's very fair and straightforward to say I would also try and um within my history try and ascertain what the patient's Chad's VASC score is. And also try and understand what their patient's has bled score is, and also a more recent bleeding scoring system, which is the Orbit score, and that's actually, for interest's sake, the nice nice this year have actually recommended that the Orbit score should be used over uh, and above the has bled score, and um, so that's age uh, over age, um, R for reduced hemoglobin, B for any bleeding history, I for any. Uh, I is for insufficient kidney function, so catenine, and T is for treatment with antiplatelets. Um, not, not immediately obvious what you eat, what each letter stands for, but um, I don't think you'd be asked to recite the August score. But uh, it's nice to just know that it is now the new scoring system that's used to uh, understand bleeding risk in patients that you might want to anticoagulate for AF. So, 
bleeding, uh, stroke risk and bleeding risk uh, in your history. And then next, and then the, and that will help you understand whether the patient should be anticoagulated. Uh, and most often they will be, because if you have a CHAD VAS score of one uh, or more, as long as that score is not for uh, female sex, you uh, you should consider anticoagulation. Um, and yeah, and I think the only you know, other final thing to say is that the history and the onset, the reason we were saying that are so, so important is because if you're, if this is absolutely new AF that the patient has never had before and it's come on within the last 48 hours, then the patient can be cardioverted without the need for a pre, uh, without the need for a prior TOE to check for any clot. Um, if they if they're outside of that forty eight hour window, then they either need to be anticoagulated religiously, taking anticoagulation every day for at least four weeks before they can be considered for cardioversion, or they can have a cardioversion with a TOE at the same time. And the transesophageal echocardiogram or TOE, what that does is it basically checks for any clot in the left atrium. So once it's ruled out clot, then you can safely cardiovert the patient. So it's either a TOE or four weeks of anticoagulation. Um, and if you obviously, if you have the four weeks of anticoagulation, you don't then need to have a TOE necessarily. Um, but the TOE is the safest thing. Uh, and even you'll find patients that have come in within 48 hours. Uh, if in cardiology, if we can uh, do a TOE at the same time as cardioverting them, we definitely will uh, because it's just, the safest thing because sometimes you can't be sure that the patient knows exactly when their AF has come on. Um, but yeah, it's good good to know the reasons and rationale behind that 48 hour window and why we do what we do. Um, so I think that's most of the um the history. The only other thing I'd add to the history is I think as always with most cardiac stations is get an idea for their normal functional status um, and understand what they're able to do now with their AF, because that tells you, A, what they're appropriate for and not for in terms of escalation status, but B, it tells you also about how limiting these symptoms are and how, and, and that will tell you how important it is to do a, a rate control versus rhythm control strategy. Um, so yeah, now is there anything else or should we go into management? I think we can go to management from there, I think. Um, well, just another thing, I mean, obviously- Assessments, right? Yeah, assessment. Yeah. So I guess just I know we touched talked mostly about secondary AF, but I guess also just remember that um you can have cardiac causes of AF as well in the context context of you know uh, myocardial ischemia, having patient having NSTEMI, etc. Yeah. Um so that's just always important to ask about chest pain as well in that setting, um, and any other associated symptoms as well. So yeah. Uh, and so whilst we also talk about the only other thing we've uh, forgot to mention, we did mention uh syncope. So AF in syncope uh, should be taken very seriously. So I would just always have the constellation of symptoms that you ask about. So once you've got the cardiac history, you say, when did you talk about AF and when it came on, then you ask about symptoms of heart failure, so orthopnea, PND, what's their exercise function, any chest pain, any syncope or pre-syncope. Yeah.